Are you a farmer or dairy business of the future? Then we encourage you to attend our annual Dairy Strong Conference on January 18th through the 19th in Madison, Wisconsin. Dairy Strong brings together a wide variety of management philosophies and shares innovative ideas with forward-thinking farmers and dairy businesses to explore. Registration and sponsorship opportunities are available at dairyforward.com. Early bird registration ends November 1st. Welcome to Dairy Stream, brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, sister organizations that fight for sensible dairy policy in Wisconsin and Washington, D.C. Dairy Stream focuses on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Well, today on Dairy Stream, a very interesting topic is going to be covered as we take a look at soil health and what we can do to improve our soil health, especially when you talk about the diversity of our landscape and our soils, not only in the state of Wisconsin, where we're originating from, but throughout the country. And today we are talking about the Dairy Soil and Water Regeneration Project, which works with many partners and also received a $10 million grant from the Foundation for Food and Agriculture. A couple of very talented and informative people to talk about it. One of them is Mara Cloutier. She has a PhD in soil science and biogeochemistry with the Soil Health Institute, where she works as the project manager for the Dairy Soil and Water Regeneration Project. And also on hand, the well-respected dairy producer, Lee Kinnard, owner of Kennard Farms in Casco and a participant in the Dairy Soil and Water Regeneration Program. And we're gonna give you more details of what that means. And I wanna start with you, Mara, maybe you can give us a little bit of background on the overview of the project and also maybe some of the key partners and maybe even uh, some of the outcomes you might have already and kind of the timeline for this project. Yeah, great. Thanks so much, Mike, for that introduction and to kick off this podcast. So, um, you know, you mentioned that I work with the Soil Health Institute. So our institute partnered with the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy to conduct this project that is really going to help us gain a broad understanding of soil health on working dairy farms today. And we're also going to be taking a deeper dive to really track soil health and soil carbon stocks on select farms like Lee's across growing seasons to compare more standard forage growing practices in different regions to say like advanced soil health practices. So these would include things like, you know, reducing tillage or even going to no-till, adding cover crops, planting green, or using new manure products, right? So essentially we're trying to determine whether we can increase soil health and the amount of carbon captured on dairy farms if we use different techniques to manage those soils. So this project is is one of the largest research projects focused on this topic. And as you can imagine, this research really needed to be guided by folks who have local knowledge about dairy farming and challenges faced by their communities. So our local partners helped to develop the projects, and they're really the ones who are collecting the samples even, right? So in Wisconsin, we've partnered with folks at UW-Madison and UW-Platteville, and collectively we're, we're working across eight major milk-producing states, right, with a really strong focus on dairy production in Wisconsin because, Mike, as you can imagine, we had to make sure that America's dairy land was well-represented in our dairy study, 
Well, of course, I would agree with that totally. Why well, to ask you a little bit more on that when you talk about the the differing milk producing states? There's eight all involved. Obviously, you're going to see different type of topography, different quality of soil, and that. Did you take that into account when you figured out how you're going to put this together? Oh goodness, absolutely. I don't know that I even understood the diversity at which we were really talking about, you know, when we were thinking about putting this study together. And it has taken a lot of brainstorming and a lot of input from many really intelligent researchers that a lot of these, you know, partnering institutions to try to figure out the best way to put together a national scale project to really make sure that dairy was well represented and that we would have a study that was widely applicable to dairy farmers. Again, that is the voice of Mara Cloutier. She is a, a PhD in soil science and biogeochemistry with the Soil Health Institute. And you'll be hearing her voice throughout this podcast, but also Lee Kennard is with us. And Lee, I know you've been involved in programs, not quite similar to this, but certainly programs that are focused in on the quality of our soil and water quality and things we can do to raise the bar on them. So maybe you can talk from your perspective and discuss a little bit about the focus and the importance of soil health on your farm. And also you're talking about the diversity of soils. Obviously you're in an area that's already had a lot of discussion because you know in that part of Kiwani County, there's a lot of car soils. Yeah, Mike. Well, number one, thank you for having me here today. Um, really enjoy being a part of uh, this study and this research. Uh, it's some pretty cutting-edge stuff, something very near and dear to my heart. Um, obviously, when we're starting to talk soil health, really, we are not just talking the lifeblood, the soil um, health. We're really talking, you know, the lifeblood of the environment. Um, I think science and, and farmers have long realized that water quality, soil quality interact, and I think it's really being carried out, especially in these last 20 and 30 and 40 years here. Farmers have gotten really good at not only being conservationists, um, hey, we've got we've to protect what we have, but really more of a focus on regeneration of what we have and actually making things, um, probably moving back towards the natural states that existed in a lot of these ecosystems. So really, really cool to be on the cutting edge of some of this research. Now, when we talk about research and previous projects for you, something that certainly in your part of Wisconsin, your part of the country, there's been a lot of conversation, a lot of controversy about spreading of manure, the impact of manure. Uh, is that being dealt with here at all in this project? And how do you actually believe that manure is an extremely valuable product for the agriculture community? Well, absolutely, Mike. Yeah, that is that is really the focus of this study. And, you know, so often the perception, the discussion around manure is, gosh, we've got to have a depth. We've got to have a restriction. We've got to have a rule that tells us where we can safely apply the manure. As you said, in my region, um, uh, cars, actually in a lot of the dairy region and a lot of America's farmland, uh, there are you know, similar restrictions. So really, uh, the focus has, has been a little misdirected simply because it doesn't matter if we have 500 feet of soil to groundwater, to bedrock, to whatever it is, 1,000 or 
two, um, we've really got to learn to farm in a way that whatever nutrient we're applying is being uptaken and used by the plant that we're growing, the reason we're applying that fertilizer. So we've, we've known, you know, for a long time, hey, that involves the right rate, the right timing, you know, the, several of the things we've known. But I think the focus has really shifted to, but wait a minute. Um, even if we do everything right, if the soil is not healthy, we're not able to retain that water, filter that water. That's that's really been the focus of the program, and really what we're what we're learning is that that manure, the animal agriculture, is really an incredibly important component to actually restoring soils, restoring their filtering capacity, um, being able to hold water, um, increasing organic matter, getting you know really beneficial microbial life cycles. It's really a different way of looking at things and really incredible um, how quickly soil uh, can be regenerated, be actually made new again with some of these newer processes, technologies, and techniques. Yeah, I want to follow up on that, Lee. Are you learning or are you investigating how some of these uh, manure-based products now compare to conventional manure that's used on the farm? And do you look at it not only from the perspective of soil health and environmental benefits, but are you looking at the economics of it as well? Yeah, that's been the blast part of this whole, I'll call it experiment. Um, <laughs> um, really, the, the technology um, being introduced. You know, when my parents were farming 35, 40 years ago before I purchased the farm from them, they were very forward thinking. And, uh, you know, we're really, really proud to introduce a thing called the Cabinor. You know, um, hey, there was, there was wastewater that needed to be dealt with. We added it to manure. Um, it became, you know, a little bit of water with a lot of manure. Uh, fast forward 30 and 40 years, and we're ending up with a product that is really a little bit of manure with a lot of water, which really changes the characteristics of how we fertilize land. Um, so we know, I mean, science tells us that the less we can disturb the soil, uh, the more we can leave it intact and plant into a green and growing crop, a cover crop, or even just a no-till situation, you're definitely going to have uh, the ability to, to not only conserve the soil, but to actually rebuild that soil much more quickly. The problem becomes, okay, what do we do with our current systems, the way agriculture is set up, animal agriculture specifically, with handling all of this water? And this new technology that we're working with, you know, really, really exciting concepts from a standpoint of, okay, why? Why are we handling um, a product that is 99% water, 1% of the actual nutrients we want? Really flipping it on its on its head here and saying, okay, um, let's let's figure out a way to handle that 1% and do something else with the water portion of things. And the rest of the question there, Mike, was, okay, how does that feed into economics? <laughs> It actually works very, very well from that end as well. You know, think about moving 99 loads of something to 100 loads of something to really only have one load that has any of the heyday in it, the nutrients. 
Um, it's a really expensive process, the way things are done at this time. Um, your last component of that is, you know, when you're handling all of that liquid, obviously you're going to have to do some disturbance of the soil, which really does an awful lot of offsetting of the benefit of putting the manure down in the first place. So if we sure. can figure out other things to do with that water that are environmentally sound, that, you know, are better, you know, not only for the environment, but also better for economics, um, you know, that's really the path we're headed down with some of this research and really cool to be on the front edge of it. Well, thanks for all that insight. I really appreciate that. Lee Kennard, one of our guests, as we're kind of looking at the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy and how they partners with the Soil Health Institute in gaining a broader understanding of soil health on working dairy farms today. And certainly that's something that uh, Lee has been involved with. And Lee, something else you've been involved with is the Peninsula Pride Farm. So before I get back tomorrow, I just want to ask you from your perspective, looking at this project, is it different or in some ways is it similar to what you do in the farmer-led watershed group? You know, there are, are definitely some differences, but there are also a lot of similarities. Um, you know, some of the basic principles that we're fighting to achieve with the research project um, are based upon what we work with on our local Peninsula Pride Farms projects. You know, really, I think farmers are really, really wanting to move towards the regenerative systems. You know, hey, let's let's maybe rethink the way we've done things for decades, for generations in some cases. But we're going to have to figure out the technology, which is where the research we're involved in here is, is coming in. We're going to have to figure out the technology. We're going to have to innovate really to come up with new methods uh, of doing the same thing, maybe not the same thing, it's going to be a different formula, it's going to be a different product, mm -hmm. but really accomplishing the same things with something that fits in much more closely with, you know, what we're working on in our, in our local watersheds, such as Peninsula Pride. So the two really feed hand in hand very nicely into each other. I certainly want to commend everyone involved in this project for looking outside the box, being kind of entrepreneurs or looking for different answers that, again, are going to benefit uh, not only current and future dairy operations, but our environment as well. And as we said, bottom line, improving uh, soil health benefits while still looking for some economic aspects since this is a business. And uh, we're getting down to business with two very talented and informative people on this. One of them is Mara Cloutier. And Mara, I want to get back to you uh, and talking about you know the fact you said there's eight different uh, dairy major milk producing states involved. And I'll let you maybe highlight a few of those. But in talking about this, uh, what type of growing techniques are you actually looking at? And so far, what are you learning from dairy farmer practices? Uh, this is such a great question and, and one that we grapple with in, in giving you a short answer to, Mike. Um, so at Then least give me a long answer. It's okay. <laughs> I'm retired now. You just go. <laughs> <laughs> so at, at least what we're working, what we're looking at are a couple different sort of systems, right? So we're looking at one system that has no tillage, it has cover crops and these new manure products. And we're comparing that system to something that has more of like traditional tillage, so like full width tillage and doesn't have cover crops and it has liquid dairy manure. So really kind of getting at, you know, what changes can we expect when we start implementing a new system, a new way of growing forage. 
And as you've alluded to, you know, the growing techniques that we're including in this study are going to be dependent on where we are in the country, right? Mm -hmm. These techniques used to grow forage are pretty specific to regions. So, you know, from Vermont, where we're working, to Texas, where we have some dairy farms, and to California, you know, we've had to adjust the systems we're comparing to make sure that they're appropriate for the farms in the regions. And I'd say, you know, going back to this question about what I, what I've been learning is, gosh, what I've learned and I think what I continue to learn on maybe even a daily basis at this point is that there's just such a breadth of diversity of dairy farming in the U.S. And it's a beautiful thing. You know, I mean, even within the state of Wisconsin, right, you've got the Driftless region. And those farmers are using techniques and practices that are quite different than the folks along the eastern shore near Green Bay, you know, up by where Lee is, right? Because ultimately right. farmers have adapted how they're managing their soils based on topography, landscape position, soil type, rainfall, resources, and, you know, not to mention, too, methods that have just been passed down through generations of farming. So, as you can imagine, Mike, there is a lot to unpack, you know, when we start to think about how we're going to be comparing results, think about dairy farming at a national scale, and to make sure that we're conducting research that is widely applicable. And I feel like I'm a little bit of a glutton for punishment, and I like <laughs> complexity and diversity. You know, I think that that just means that there's a lot more opportunities and room for growth or change. And we know there isn't going to be a silver bullet, you know, as mentioned earlier in this podcast, that can just be applied across the board. So we're testing different practices and different manure-based products to really try to identify solutions that are going to be appropriate for the region, for the farmer, and for the system. So without getting too far ahead of our podcast here, and again, thank you all for listening to Dairy Stream as we are focusing on soil health and a very interesting project that's dealing with dairy, soil, and water uh, regeneration project. Are you hoping ideally when you're done, you're, you know, the answers are going to be regionalized, but there's also going to be some answers and some opportunities such maybe as cover crops that could be used anywhere across the country? Uh, I mean, how specific do you hope to uh, go with the information you provide when this is all said and done? Yeah, well, certainly I think there is an opportunity uh, to make our research. Our research will be regionally specific, right? So a lot of the research that we're doing in Wisconsin should be applicable or will be applicable to dairy farmers in Wisconsin. There is going to it's go also be applicable to farmers, you know, around Wisconsin too. When you start thinking about cover cropping, I mean, cover cropping, you know, goes all the way over to the Northeast and up through Vermont and New York and, and et cetera, right. right? So I definitely think that there is a lot of room to make a lot of opportunity there for our results to be applicable across the board. That's why we're in, you know, Vermont, right, to hit the Northeast. That's why we're doing research in America's Dairyland. That's why we're doing research in Texas and California to also make sure that those arid systems are represented in our study. Again, we hope you are enjoying our conversation. We're taking a break in a couple of moments, but I do want to remind you, our guests are Mara Coutier and also Lee Kennard, and we're talking about the Dairy Soil and Water Regeneration Project, and not only talking about uh, soil health and some practices, but I do want to get a little bit into manure-based products because they're becoming a little more prevalent now. Is that something also that we're going to get more details on, at least from your perspective and, and your purpose for this project? 
Mike, maybe I'll take that question first and I'll pass it over to Lee too, because he might have more to say on it. So we are looking at different manure-based products, you know, and some of those technologies are new and some of those technologies have been on the market for a little while. What we have sort of integrated into this research project as far as the manure-based products are involved is that we've tried to make them important products for the region, right? So in some cases, something more similar to compost might be applicable, whereas in some regions like Wisconsin, there's these new manure-based products that we're testing and we're really trying to get of are these going to help build soil health and build carbon stocks and also, you know, improve farmer farmers' bottom lines, because we all know that's really important. Lee, you want to add your two cents worth? Yeah, I, I um, concur with a lot of things Mara is saying. You know, I know our focus has really switched to, okay, um, from the little bit of research we've seen, the results we've seen thus far, you know, we are absolutely convinced that um, a change in the way we handle manure is, is warranted. Um, we're well down that path. Just from a standpoint, if we want to make some really quick progress. I think that's that's where our mind is at. Um, but really, really excited about, you know, the potential, not just the potential of measurable results on increasing organic matter, increasing water retention, those kinds of things. Um, I guess we've become, you know, big believers that uh, we can add a lot of value to manure, um, save costs in the process. Um, and, you know, interestingly enough, be better stewards of the land and, you know, better neighbors, quite truthfully. Uh, obviously, when when you're handling manure conventionally, there's there's a lot of commotion. So we're really excited that the research is really pointing out that um, innovation is, is really going to reshape the way these things are, are currently looked at. Um, and without a doubt, there's, there's some really cool things coming on the horizon. It's not going to be a fit, and it is going to be, you know, geographic specific. I think different things are going to work in different areas. So really glad to be on the front edge of of this research being done. It's very important. Well, again, we commend you both not only for your insights today, but your commitment to this project. And uh, Mario, I just want to ask one more question before we take our first break here on Dairy Stream. And that is, I've always felt, and I'm sure you do too, as a soil scientist, that you know, you, you have to know where you are before you can find out where you're going to go or where you're going to want to head. So I know when it comes to soil and soil health, you have to do soil testing. So can you explain a little bit where you are in that process? And is it a wide area again where you're doing your soil samples? Yeah, great question too, Mike. Thank you for asking that. So as far as this project is concerned, we have a soil survey where, you know, we're just just the whole idea of the soil survey is to just go in and take a snapshot and just look and see, okay, what is the state of soil health on dairy farms today? And for that part of this project, we selected five states to do this snapshot in, and Wisconsin had to be one of them, of course. Um, We were lucky to have more than 50 dairy farmers participate in this the soil survey, you know, they they voluntarily allowed me and others on their farm this spring and summer to collect some soil. So, you know, huge shout out to any of you who might be listening that were a part of the project. Y'all are awesome. And we appreciate your willingness to participate in the study. 
So we are still getting some results back from the lab. You know, each farmer is going to end up with a report of the results that is going to include the measurement values for the soil health indicators that we selected from their fields. And we're also going to tell farmers sort of, you know, this is where you're at, this is where your fields are, and this is the sort of average measurement for those values, you know, across fields within that region that we selected. So the indicators we chose to measure are ones that really inform us about the soil's ability to function. You know, so these are going to be indicators that relate the soil's ability to resist wind or water erosion. It gives us an idea about how much plant available water there is, how much total microbial biomass is in that soil, and how much carbon they're storing as well. So these indicators, you know, that we selected to to measure from these 50-plus dairy farms in Wisconsin. They're also indicators that we're, we're measuring on our on-farm research trial, like what we're talking about with Lee today. So the difference is, is that at Lee's farm and these other farms that we're doing these on-farm trials at is we're really sort of tracking changes to these measurements over growing seasons to assess what happens to a soil's ability to function when we start using no-till and add cover crops and use these new manure-based products to grow forage. We also have the opportunity to track changes to crop yield and biomass on lease farm and others, right, because we're doing this over time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important, right, that we understand, I think, you know, just echoing what Lee has been saying is that we understand what happens both in the soil and a farmer's bottom lines as well. And I may be a little bit remiss on this, Mara, but what about the timeline on the meeting? Is this going to be going over several years, decades? How are you really going to, you know, take that slice of time and see, okay, these are our results? Right. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. So the soil survey that we did, um, we went in and did that one-time snapshot of soil samples. We hope to get those reports back to farmers, you know, in the next couple months. And then what we're doing at least is actually going to be four, five, six-year experiments and potentially, you know, going on if Lee isn't tired of us at that point. <laughs> but, yeah, we're trying, we're trying to track changes over time, and we need some time to be able to see changes, too, because, yes, you know, we can improve soil health, but it's not going to be, you know, in six months. It might take a couple of years to start, start seeing the benefits of, of changing how we're managing the soil. Well, again, I want to thank you both. And for those of you that have been listening, yes, we've been focusing in on the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy as they partnered with the Soil Health Institute to gain a broad understanding of soil health on our working dairy farms today and what we are doing right now and we're going to do even better into the future. And uh, during our second half of Dairy Stream today, we're going to talk a little bit more about what have been maybe some of the bigger learning curves with this project and how are dairy farmers, you know, really going to learn about results and how can they actually make them applicable to their own dairy operations. So please do stay with us for that. You're listening to Dairy Stream. And we'll be right back with our Dairy Stream podcast after we hear from our sponsor. The Nature Conservancy is a global conservation organization dedicated to conserving the lands and waters on which all life depends. 
Guided by science, we create innovative on-the-ground solutions to our world's toughest challenges so that nature and people can thrive together. In Wisconsin, we help farmers improve soil health and protect clean water while sustaining profitability. We also collaborate with communities, governments, businesses, and other nonprofits to protect Wisconsin's most outstanding natural areas, address climate change and its impacts, and help make cities more sustainable. To learn more, visit nature.org backslash Wisconsin. Well, Dairy Stream is brought to you by the Dairy Business Association and the Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative. And today we are talking about the Dairy Soil and Water Regeneration Project, which works with many partners and also received a $10 million grant from the Foundation for Food and Agriculture. Today we have two very informative and articulate guests. They are Mara Cloutier, who is a has a PhD in soil science and biogeochemistry with the Soil Health Institute, where she is working as the project manager for the Dairy Soil and Water Regeneration Project. And Lee Kennard is also with us. He's the owner of Kennard Farms in Casco, Wisconsin, and a participant in the Dairy Soil and Water Regeneration. And Lee, I'm going to start with you during this uh, segment and ask you now after a couple of growing seasons, you know, are you seeing some things you'd like to adapt for your own cropping plants? Yes, I think we are. You know, um, we've been very big believers in just simply following the generic research that is out there that um, we, we really want to head towards non-disturbance, no-tilling or cropping program here. And we've really been, you know, um, big believers in incorporating uh, the cover crops. And, uh, you know, on our farm here, we've been incorporating those practices for the better part of uh, nearly 40 years now. And it's been real interesting. As time has gone on, as, as water collection techniques have changed for handling manure, um, we were at one time nearly a 100% no-till and cover cropped farm. And over time, we've had to back off on that. So really, we are, we are already true believers that, you know, this works environmentally, this works economically, it works socially. Um, it truly is the definition in our mind of sustainable um, and indeed regenerative. But it is really cool um, having this research right here on farm, having a front row seat to actually seeing what we know to be true, but we can't quantify, um, actually seeing that come right, you know, right here localized and repeatable, that we're going to be able to extrapolate those results out across our entire farm. Uh, we cannot wait to start seeing some of these numbers come pouring in. Uh, we've got a pretty good gut feel uh, what we're going to be seeing. Um, but as I said, we, 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 are, we are already believers that you know, this is the future. We're working towards that future. How do we get there? And Mara, you know, obviously, Dad, take on a, a project of this scope and this magnitude has to have some challenges and I'm sure there's some learning curve especially you know you're talking about working and doing this on a working dairy farms which in itself is a huge task uh, I'd like you to explain a little bit of you know what the learning process has been and also you mentioned uh, in the first segment of our podcast today about the fact you're also working with UW Platteville and UW Madison maybe you can go a little bit more in depth and how they're part of the project. So I'm going to start with your latter question and then kind of hopefully weave that in again, coming around the back end of my answer here. Sounds so, like a good journey to me. Go ahead. 
we'll see how it works out, huh? So, um, right, we're working, we've got partners at UW-Madison and UW-Platteville. Our UW-Madison partners, they have a couple projects going on on their research farms. And I think more importantly, the partners at UW-Madison really kind of helped us facilitate you know, starting these treatments at Lee's Farm, right? Because they're the ones with that really regional knowledge. They're the ones who can help us say, okay, well, this doesn't make sense in this area, or this needs to be something that we incorporate in this project, right? So their expertise and knowledge about just dairy farming in Wisconsin was instrumental in getting this project up and running. I think probably the the biggest learning curve for me is that I had never actually implemented research on a dairy farm before. I'd gone in and, and taken some soil samples, but that's that's like easy, you know, as compared to <laughs> yes. going out and actually putting other years worth of research on somebody's farm. That's a lot more complicated. Um, you know, practices and change on these farms happen over years in crop fields. Weather is a huge factor that you have to start you know, considering of, of how you're going to change your, your plan of management on fields as is staff, right? Like we're asking Lee and our other farmers to change what they do on a field. And these techniques would be different from what they're doing on probably every other field that they're farming. You know, so there's just a lot of communication that needs to, to happen across the board, you know, with, with us and, you know, Soil Health Institute and the Innovation Center for U.S. Dairy, with our partners at UW-Madison and Platteville, and then to Lee. So you can imagine there's just a lot of moving parts. And I think, honestly, that's been our biggest learning curve, is just how to make sure that we're communicating what we need when we need it and making adjustments when we need to. And as I mentioned, I'm going to weep back in UW-Madison and Platteville, right? So some of our research is being conducted on working dairy farms like Lee's. And other parts are being done on research dairy farms. So these would be those research farms at the partnering universities. Having some of our our projects on research farms allow us to take advantage of other analyses that would probably be too difficult to perform on commercial dairy farms. So at UW-Platteville, for example, those researchers, they've spent a lot of money and time installing instruments that... We can, where we can actually start to look at runoff and nutrient losses associated with different growing techniques. And Mike, as you can imagine, that information about runoff and nutrient losses is going to be incredibly valuable to inform our larger pro- project. No, for sure. And again, yeah, thanks for clarifying that and kind of explaining how it all interacts and just, yeah, some of the learning curve and challenges uh, you face from your perspective. Now I want to get a little bit more personal, kind of the, the same point to Lee, since Lee, you are one of those active dairy producers trying to do what you do each and every day, yet uh, also make sure that what you're doing coincides with the goals of this research project. So, you know, how has that come about to the way you manage your dairy operation? Well, I think, uh, you know, I might be a bit of a science nerd, so I've really enjoyed, um, you know, all of the research and really enjoyed, you know, the access to these great minds and people truly on the cutting edge. I mean, so far out there in advance of, of what we commonly know on the farm today that um, pretty much whatever is asked, we will try to do. But, you know, as Mara said, we've, we've got working dairy farms 
So we've got weather to contend with. We've got, you know, different growing seasons. Um, hats off to some of the protocols that have been developed, taking these things into account. Um, I'm hoping this is a really long-term uh, research project here at the farm. Um, and I'm willing to bet that we will, no matter how long, probably never see the same growing season, the same conditions twice, which really adds some complexity to it, which I which I love. Um, and like I said, we're, we're really paired up with the who's who in agriculture and science and environmental sciences um, to see how these different factors factor in. So I love it. Um, I, I, yeah, a little bit challenging sometimes to, you know, do things in a little different way, um, but really feel the, the extra effort is worth every ounce of the extra effort. Well, thanks, Lee. And you should be proud of people calling you a science nerd. I think it's a compliment. I know I've been called that many a time, but they don't use the word science. They just use the word nerd. But anyways, it is good to have Lee Kinnard with us. He's the owner of Kinnard Farms in uh, Casco, Wisconsin, and a participant in the Dairy, Soil, and Water Regeneration Project. And also with us is Mara Cloutier. She is the project manager for this. And I want to get back to you, Mara, about, you know, dairy farmers getting the results, learning from the project you've made such a commitment to. Uh, so how would a dairy farmer learn about the results? And also, are there any financial benefits according to farms size, or is this something you hopefully will be beneficial no matter what size operation you are? I love this question, Mike. You know, I think nothing is as compelling as having quality research conducted on actual farms. You know, we as scientists and researchers kind of need to bear the burden of proof, right? We need to be able to demonstrate that these growing techniques are scalable and doable for commercial dairies. So we're really thankful for farmers like Lee who have stepped up to the plate and are working to help us deliver impact research because we couldn't do it without them. So to get back to, I think, the, the heart of your question here is, you know, soil health benefits aren't limited to a farm of a certain size, right? Like improving soil health can be done by dairy farms of any size and provide benefits to farms of any size. And I think the question is why? Well, because what we're talking about is increasing water holding capacity, increasing water infiltration, and carbon stock. Any farmer can benefit from increasing those soil properties. And, you know, we know that healthy soils are going to be more resilient to weather conditions. So, you know, whether you're somebody who grows your own crops or not, healthy soils are going to be a benefit to your farm. And we have tried to set up research so that the learnings will apply to a variety of farms. And I hope that that's come through in this podcast today. You know, we are looking at the benefits of reduced tillage and adding cover crops. Practices that, you know, if the benefits are proven, many farms will be able to adopt. And incorporating these new manure-based products, you know, from dried solids, I think that what we're doing is going to inform farmers and let them make informed decisions about how to best manage their soils for soil health and also their bottom line. And ultimately, I think that investing in adopting soil health management systems provide benefits to the whole farm and their communities. Yeah, keywords I'm hearing you say is adoptability, no matter what size your dairy operation might be. And also, I know as a businessman, farmers always look at the dollars and cents or the ROI, return on investment. Are you hoping that when it's all said and done, they're going to be pleased with that ROI? I hope so. I hope Lee will be pleased at the very least. Um <laughs> 
But, you know, we, we have a long way to go. Uh, we have a lot of research that we need to perform. You know, we're, we are in year one or two of this project, depending, you know, on, on where we're at in the country. So, you know, looking five years down the road, I, I hope that we have better answers and can come up with more conclusions about bottom lines and economics and soil health and agronomic outcomes, et cetera. But again, a lot of research has to be done and, you know, we're working diligently to make sure that we're implementing research on these commercial dairy farms that is going to be applicable and adoptable. And Lee, would you echo that too? I mean, not only, first of all, why you got involved with the project, but the answers are going to come out from it and maybe the new practices or old practices that are going to be adopted that you've got to look at it, you know, from a business perspective besides environmental perspective? You know, I absolutely would, Mike. And I think that really is the exciting part to me. Um, obviously, very involved uh, in my local producer-led watership, Peninsula Pride Farms here. Um, and, you know, the discussions in that group with other local farmers have just been fantastic. You know, obviously the discussion there focuses on how do you, okay, so we've, we've got great practices. Maybe we're going to have to tweak things a little bit from the way we've traditionally done things if we want to continue with, you know, forward progress, both environmentally and, you know, from a sustainability standpoint for our soil itself. Uh, but what's so cool about that is <laughs> I think especially within our, our local group, um, there's been a lot of talk about, okay, we can't, you know, we can't cost share our way into better practices. We really have to prove the economics. It has to work economically or it's, it's not going to be widely adapted. And, you know, I am, uh, again, I'm a big believer that it does work economically. There's economic reward to the things we're doing. I think what excites me even more is it's not just the local group talking about this. Obviously, I'm also very heavily involved in Farmers for Sustainable Food, mm -hmm. wide organization actually reaching a little bit beyond the borders. The same discussions are happening on a statewide and on this regional, uh, you know, discussion, which which to me is just, you know, incredible that we're going to be able to prove out some of the economics. Uh, you know, so often right now um, we look at agriculture and, and it's like, okay, where is it going to go? Um, through, through research projects like this, I mean, I am just really bullish and really proud to be involved. Well, again, we want to thank both you and Mara for the outstanding job today, for all the candor you've given and uh, the passion you've shown about this project and its end results. I do want to remind our listeners that Dairy Stream is brought to them by the Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative, and we thank them for their support. As we wrap things up, Mara, I'd just like to know, is there some way you can share a little bit more about uh, the details when it comes to, you know, people learning about this project and just, you know, some of the things that they can learn in the upcoming months? I think that there's a lot of excitement about this work, at least I hope so, especially in Wisconsin, you know, where we have just a lot of research going on. You know, but some of this research is going to take a few growing seasons before we really have results worth sharing. But we are going to start sharing initial learnings in the coming months, particularly from that soil survey that we did of the 50 plus farmers in Wisconsin. Uh, some of that is going to be shared at the Dairy Strong Conference in January, where we're going to be presenting at. Oh, that's exciting. So thank you for that. And again, thank you for everything that you shared today. I again, want to thank Almara Cloutier. She has a PhD in soil science and biogeochemistry. She is the 
director of the project or the manager for the dairy soil and water regeneration project, which Lee Kennard, who is the owner of Kennard Farms in Casco, is a participant. You heard all their insights, all their enthusiasm, and all their optimism about what's to come. And again, as we mentioned and Mara just said, uh, you can hear that presentation on dairy soil and water regeneration project at the Dairy Strong Conference. That's January 18th and 19th in Madison. Uh, you can register at dairyforward.com. Again, you can register at dairyforward.com. Also, you can learn more about the project we were discussing today at soilhealthinstitute.org. That's soilhealthinstitute.org. We want to thank well, our guests for the time they spent with us today. We want to thank you for sharing your valuable time learning more about this project. And I, in particular, want to thank, as always, our producer, editor, and fellow farm broadcaster, Joanna Guza, for the outstanding job she does. Until we talk again, I'm Mike Austin for Dairy Stream. The Dairy Business Association and Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative would like to thank you for listening to Dairy Stream. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, please subscribe and rate Dairy Stream. We value your feedback. And if there's something you'd like to hear, just email us, podcast at dairyforward.com.